0: I titled this message, uh, Walk with Jesus, you may notice that a pair of my shoes are on the communion table. And a friend of mine, exactly, nobody, for those that didn't notice, I have to say that for those that did notice, they noticed. Um, So a buddy of mine shipped these to my house a few years back, Nike uh, unveiled an app where you could design, they have like a template shoe and you can design shoes and then send them to people and my wonderful friend from Denver sends me tons of stuff he that's a that's one of two Nike pairs of shoes that he has sent me but you might notice that they say wwj on them and so i thought name they, they made a misprint they forgot the d is what i when i first got them i go wwjd of course they left it off why wouldn't nike no he actually intended to have me walk with jesus and have a remembrance of it that's why I brought the shoes up. Um, so you can do this, just so you know. You can, you can design shoes and send them to people. I think this is an awesome, it's an awesome thing. So um, you guys all remember, what would Jesus do bracelets? So that's what I thought it was supposed to be. But uh, last week, uh, Palm Sunday, we, we talked about the account where Jesus is walking to Jerusalem with the disciples and some others. And he's telling them for the third time in the book of Mark I have, I'm going to die here. Like I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. Mm -hmm. And they're still kind of like, well, what about that position I was promised? And what about like, what's it going to look like when you crush the Romans in a few minutes? What's it going to look like when we just come in and, and, and we absolutely demolish the Roman rule because you're the deliverer, right? You're supposed to deliver us from the oppression. And Jesus told them it is necessary for me to go and die, but I will be raised on the third day. And we find ourselves on this morning of the third day, Luke chapter 24. But I want to say this first. It's hard to process news we struggle with. In our culture, a culture of comfort, uncomfortable conversations. And I will tell you, I do not like them. I have this job kind of lends itself to having at least a few a year. Um, but I don't like having them. I don't like doing it. I don't like confronting people. I don't like you know, telling, hey, we got to sit down and talk about something that's going to be super uncomfortable. But Jesus drops this bomb on them several times. It's not the first time that he says it. But when you and I hear news we struggle with, especially if the news is sort of like, hey, in a few weeks, things are going to be kind of rough. You're like, well, I better enjoy today then. So I don't want to think about that. And that's kind of how we as Americans live our lives. Last week, we, we heard Jesus say this. And right after he said it, two of the disciples tried to arm wrestle him into a right and left position, right and left hand side, and what, what transpired was a fight between the disciples. Kind of like Jim and Mark. I'm just kidding. You can go, you can go to, the, to, the, to the mountain and you'll be fine. Um, but they struggled to believe it. And so what happens when we struggle to believe something like that? We start popping over to something else. We start talking about, hey, when are we going to go do something great and fun? When are we going to go to San Diego? When are we going to... Right after you hear the most sobering thing Jesus has ever said to you. And so in the verses 1 through 7 of of 24, I want to read it just because it it feels like we always want to revisit um, the women at the tomb because it gives us this template as to what transpires with Jesus and ultimately disciples late in this chapter. It says uh, in verse 1 Now, on the first day of the week, very early morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, "Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but He is risen. Remember how He spoke to you when, when He was still in Galilee. Once again, now angels are reminding the people. the This, this was not a huge group of people. We're talking likely about a hundred total people, that and maybe maybe a little bit more. Jesus appeared to more, but of the hardcore, of the ones that were connected to the disciples, of the the Marys, if you will the family. We're talking about not hundreds and thousands of, of people. We're talking about a smaller group. And so if, a, if an angel is saying this, he knows that they heard this. He knows that these women heard Jesus actually say this. So he's like, remember, like I, we weren't, there were angels, we're just messengers telling you, do you remember when he was still alive in Galilee? He told you this, he told you exactly what was going to happen. He said, the son of man must be into the hands of sinful men and be crucified the third day and rise again. So these women take the spices, hardly something you would do if you expected him to be alive. They take burial spices um, expecting the body to be there. Why is it that the disciples, these women that were super loyal to Jesus, why is it that nobody believed? Well, I, I believe they believed But somewhere in the back of their brain, somewhere in the back of their, their heart was terrified. A lot lot of Christianity is taking Bible scripture and getting it from the head to the heart. Because that's where it starts to get feet. That's where it starts to get traction. So they believe and they don't believe. They believe in their, what I like to call, unbelieving believers. I ripped that off from Mike Wells. Um, So he's not here. He's risen. He told you, he gently reminds the ladies... And I really want to spend the bulk of our time. I want to read the rest of this paragraph, but I really want to spend the bulk of our time on the road to Emmaus this morning. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11. Judas is gone. And to all the rest. There was other people there. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. Hard to believe the disciples didn't take their word for it. But Peter, unbelieving, rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Sometimes we believe, but we also need verification. And that's what Peter did here. But like I said, I really want to get to um in a, in a second um this road to Maeus. It's such an awesome story. But struggling with unbelief is human. Struggling with, you know, like like the scripture says, Jesus, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Those are two things. Those are real things. We have this dual nature, and our spirit really does say amen to spiritual things. It really, when we read the words of Christ, we go, amen. That's, I believe that. Like that's, that's what I, if I could put myself on autopilot, that's what the button I would push is red letter, follow, bam. Like the little staples button, that easy button or whatever that thing was back when there were office supply stores. There's no there's no more. Um, So verse 13, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they, were converse, while they conversed in reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. That seems like something outside, an outside influence is keeping Jesus hidden at the moment. Now, you can get into theology and talk about all that stuff. We're not going to do that. Don't have the time anyway. But there is definitely something about when God reveals something, the timing in which he reveals something. But in this case, to our processing. and we only know one, one person's name here. There's a lot of guys that speculate um, as to what, who the other one was, but the scripture doesn't say it, so we'll leave it alone. Um, but, but to our talking and processing this, I think it gets missed. When you and I think about the events of our day, when we think about what's a big deal in 2023, April of 2023, guys, we could talk at length about politics. And please stop me if I ever do from this pulpit. But I just mean like the problems that are out there in our world are immense. They are huge. They are weighing on people. People tell me regularly they worry about stuff. Hey, I really worry about, hey, get your money out of this. Hey, get your mo- put your money in this. Go buy gold. Go hide in a cave. I, I get all of it, okay? I'm not going to go buy a cave and go hide in it and wait. But there are some people who are making these provisions, and there's, there's people all over that are buying these compounds and whatnot. Crazy rural real estate, you'd be, you'd be blown away at, at some of the transactions right now. But they're processing this. They are talking about this. A Jewish buddy of mine said, um, he goes, Jews always hash stuff out verbally. That's, that's their culture. They hash this out. So they're talking about these things. They're conversing and reasoning. And they're, they're probably super heavy hearted. It's my guess. Jesus shows up. He's restrained, so they don't know him, verse 17. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you were having with one another as you walk and are sad. First off, a seven-mile walk. When's the last time you did that? This is a regular thing in their day, two, three hours, somewhere in the neighborhood. Um, you can eat a whole lot of bread if you're willing to walk seven miles a day. And trust me, I wish I, wish I had that kind of time. wish I had that kind of discipline. But Jesus asks, asks them, what kind of a conversation is this? So it was a heavy and sad conversation to be sure because they're hashing out what happened but lest you think that I don't know the rest of the story. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have, have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Now they're outside of the city. They're walking to Emmaus to this village, about seven miles away. Um, A lot of villages are in that seven to 10 mile. If you go to Jerusalem and from there, you will find a lot of villages that are, that are spaced like that. But this was such a big deal. And, and in our day of distraction, in our day of, of phones and screens and a million things to distract you, I always marvel when I go to an airport. I was at an airport not too long ago, a few weeks ago. And I'm, wa- I'm just walking. It's late. It's like probably 10 o'clock at night. And nine out of 10 people are on their phones. 10 o'clock at night nine out of 10 are on their phones. You'd think they'd be like napping, waiting for our red eye to the East coast, but no, they're on their phones doing, playing games or texting or whatever. When, when he says, are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard? This is like somebody walking into some kind of a large group and going, Hey, I heard the word COVID the other day. Does anybody know what that means? You get the same exact, are you an idiot? Are you serious? Do you understand America? Do you understand what's going on? Same level. I know that COVID reached worldwide and this had not reached worldwide yet because it couldn't. But this is how heavy. This is, this is the only thing on anybody's mind. This is the only thing they're talking about. And so Jesus goes, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, here we go. Here's the human element. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Now you'd think you'd wait until the fourth day to say that, like at least he could be right at eleven fifty nine, right? But I want—I I just want to comb through this a little bit and and pull out some of the stuff that occurred to me as I was reading this. That these two who are disciples—they're definitely people who love Jesus—and they're definitely people who are going to be in this new church, if you will, that's about to form in Acts chapter two, Luke's next book. But in this day their hope was in the wrong spot. It was human hope. It was, well, we were hoping he was going to restore Israel. Um, he restored everything, but not in the way that people want, right? People don't want to do the hard thing if there is a pill or if there is a, oh, you, all you do is you just pay this extra money and you go right around TSA. Oh, I'll, I'll pay. I'll bankrupt myself not to take my shoes off and to do this. I'll, I'll, I mean, seriously, people will spend any amount of money to just go around stuff. But it's often going through what Jesus is calling us to do. It's going through that storm. It's going through the eye of the hurricane that he says, hey, I'm with you. But in this case, they don't know yet. So they're like, we were hoping he was going to restore Israel. We were hoping to, you know, he'd bring it back to greatness, which means get the Romans out. That's what that means. It means get rid of this occupation. How brutal is it to be Jesus and to hear people say, we were hoping that he was going to deliver us and to know But in all of human history, this event, crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, is the epicenter of all humanity. It's the epicenter. It's the number one thing in all of humanity, that Jesus made everybody, made all things, made nature, made animals, made everything, the elements that are able to be made into things that you and I use every single day. Glass on the the front of our telephones, sand, go figure. Jesus makes all these things. How brutal is it to be that misunderstood? I just literally died the most brutal death ever. And I, have, I am raised up and I'm going to, I'm going to go teach all of you guys in a few minutes what's really going on here. And you guys are going, yeah, it would have been great if he was real. Would have been great if all those claims were true. No, they were true. It's just that once again, restoring Israel is, is future. That's, that's way down the road from this passage. So they say in verse 22, yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, they astonished us. Do tell. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Well, maybe you should go try and figure that out. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, "O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I would pay serious money to have that sermon in front of me right now because it is a long walk. Seven miles is a long walk. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they did it at four or five miles an hour. I think they just took a little bread and a little bit of water and walked mm-hmm. at, a, at a slow clip. That's what I think. And so this could have been a three-hour conversation. Likely was at least two. Jesus tells them all. He, he starts at Moses. He outlines he, he, he lays out um, the Mosaic law all of the law, all of the prophets, I mean, the law and the prophets to, to anybody who's Jewish prior to Luke, these gospels being written was everything. The scriptures, that's what they were. That's what they would read in every every, tabern- era, every um, synagogue. There was a reading schedule and you had to keep it. So in this case, Jesus lays out. And what he's also saying is the scriptures are all inspired. The scriptures are all important. I know people who kind of like avoid the Old Testament, they're so like, eh, it's the, well, we, don't, we don't have to read that anymore. Why? Well, because we're not under the law. I know, but why wouldn't you read it? Why wouldn't you want to know what's in it? Why wouldn't you want to know how it ties in, how it um, announces the Christ? So Jesus does this for them, and he himself is expounding. He's, he's, he's expo- expository preaching to these guys about all of the scriptures, Verse 28, then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. God of the universe is taking actual physical time with you. And he says, hey, you know, I could keep walking. And they're like, well, we're here. So in this, in this um, verse 28, in this quote, seven mile walk. I love this thought. You can't walk far enough to wear out Jesus with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Those shoes are starting to get a little tired and I probably need another pair. Hopefully he's not listening because he's probably already on the website making another. Um, oh, I, I do like black as it goes with everything. I'm just, you know, if you're asking. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Don't, please don't do it. Um, but he, you can't, you can't outwalk Jesus. You can't outrelationship Jesus. You cannot wear him out with your problems. He didn't, he didn't um, rip them for, for having issues, for, for being people. He said, why won't you believe in the scriptures? If you are waiting for the Christ, you're waiting for the wrong thing. You guys are waiting for him to crush the Romans, but you still have the sin. When Jesus used to heal people and heal them in the wrong order, according to the Pharisees, according to the Pharisees, that Jesus would say, hey, arise and walk. Or your sins are forgiven. Mm, Well, what if sometimes he flip-flopped it and said, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, how dare you? He's like, what's harder to do? Forgive sin or heal somebody. They're both impossible for you and me, but not for the Christ. So their eyes are opened and they, uh, verse 29, but they constrained him saying, abide with us, stay with us. In other words, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now, this is where it gets super interesting. Uh, Verse 30, now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Perfect timing. But I find it very interesting. There's people who kind of pick at this, and they go, well, was it the way he broke the bread? I don't think these guys were at the Last Supper. (laughs) So, no, I don't think so. But I think it's the idea of when they were ready. The teacher had just been expounding and expounding on a two-hour sermon. And once again, to hear Jesus go through all of that, because he's the only perfect expositor and he knows the scriptures because he inspired them, would have been off the hook. And these guys are sitting down and having communion with him, as he had had communion with the disciples several days back. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him, and and then he vanished from their sight. So I love that. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? This is the spiritual element. When the Spirit of God really affects your heart, really actually gets a hold of it, to where, like, what you're really about in life, what your passion really is, like, if if somebody were to sit down and interview you, and ask you 100 questions, they could probably figure out, oh, this person's totally into sports. Oh, this person's like totally into finance, or this person's into real estate, or hobbies, or whatever it is. You can figure it out when you hear people answer questions, but a lot of times you can just hear it by hearing them speak. And so these guys are talking on this road to Emmaus, a seven-mile walk, and they're talking and talking, and Jesus hears them and goes, what type of a conversation is this? Because they're legitimately hurt. That the Messiah didn't come through. That's what they thought. Like Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they say, the prophet, he was prophet mighty indeed. He was amazing. He did amazing things. You know, well, do you know about Elijah? Did Elijah do anything close to what Jesus did? The numbers of miracles? Was anybody in the Old Testament? Maybe Moses had the most. I don't know. You can call out whoever your favorite prophet is. Whoever your favorite Old Testament character is. But no one was close. Hundreds and hundreds of miracles. We read of dozens of miracles. In this book alone, in this account, Luke, who was, not, who was a physician, he was, not, um, he was not like a Peter, who was a, a Homer. He wasn't like that. So in this case, they go, didn't, didn't you like, have like a, something in your heart that said, there's something about this guy. There's something about the things he's saying. How is it that Jesus could give us all of the Gospels, give us all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of the red letters, if you will? How could he give us hundreds of miracles, John said, books of the world couldn't contain all the things we watched Jesus do, and still have this much doubt? Because signs and miracles don't convert people. Spirit of God alone converts people. The Spirit of God does something, verse 16, to allow somebody not to see and then to see, that's right. 16 and verse 31, that somehow this is God's business. And so all you do is you share your story. You share what God's done in your life. You be willing to share that hope that's in you. So once again, they go, didn't you feel something in your heart? Not in your head. Knowledge is awesome. You know, sometimes I listen to sports stuff and I'm like, all this is doing is just giving me useless facts but I'm just trying to get this guy to get to his point. These 10-minute videos on YouTube were somewhere between seven and eight minutes, they say what you want, and you have to watch 10 minutes of it. Like, okay, all I really wanted you to tell me was did that, that guy get signed or not. That's it, but I wasted 10 minutes. They, they say, didn't our heart burn within us while he talked? Not while he walked with us, but while he talked to us. Something about the words of Christ did something to their hearts that made them ready so that when Jesus unlocked that, as he does late in this book, in this chapter, unlocks and in Acts chapter two, hey, receive the Holy Spirit. Something happened while they were walking and while he opened the scriptures to us. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and whose and those who were with them and gathered together, saying, "The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon," they knew this. Apparently, it wasn't enough to hear four or five women say what they said, but Peter had to be like, "I gotta verify this." Trust but verify, President once said. Um, and they told, and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Once again, communion is a special thing. You guys know, anybody that's been around church a while knows that communion is not something you take lightly. It's not the styrofoam wafer that Jim's been serving us lately. It's not about that. Sorry, Jim. Um, it's not the cran grape, you know, when we could be doing Welch's grape. It's not that. It's about what it represents. Jesus, on his way, said something to the effect of, who doesn't, he, he who doesn't eat my flesh and, and drink my blood, it has no, basically has no part of me. I paraphrase. A lot of people were like, Ooh, say something a little more polished. We need to run that through the PR firm. That does not, that's not going to go over well in Jerusalem. But Jesus was not, was not about things going over well in Jerusalem. That was definitely not about this visit, uh, in the account of Luke. But in this case, you know, they said, did our, did our heart not burn within us? God's word is so powerful and it is so important for us but teaching and instructing and convicting us of sin. I believe they were probably convicted in their hearts of, why didn't we say something then? Maybe at that point in time, we would have have had our eyes opened and we could have enjoyed more of him because as he broke bread, he bailed out and he went to go see the others. But it's an interesting communion and how communion is uh, displayed for us in the New Testament. There's not tons on it. But it's always consistent. It's always an intimate thing, like meals were in their day. So verse 36. And uh, now as, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed they had seen a spirit. Now, obviously, when something shows up in a room and it didn't walk through a physical door, that's going to terrify anybody. Anybody who says they're ready for that, okay, I don't believe you. But... In this case, Jesus just, he's, he's there in the midst where two or three are gathered. He is there in the midst. He showed up in this glorified state, but also he says to him, why are you guys so troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Now, several of you have seen me or, or, or have seen the evidence and been told the evidence. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as I as, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, but while they still did not believe for joy uh, and marveled, he said to them, have you any food? Interesting. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. This is where we get honeycomb cereal. Um, it's biblical, delicious. And he took it and ate it in their presence. So I'm going to wrap it there, but... Three kind of things that, that really jumped out as I was looking at this, but at the same time, I've done this passage before, probably several times, and something always jumps out even further at you. But the first one is to go back to the other. You can't out-walk or out-talk Jesus. Talk meaning prayer. You can't pray to him enough where he's like, would you just stop? Please stop. He can always go further. And he said that to them. I'll go further if you guys want to walk. You want to hear more? You want to hear more about the Old Testament? You want to hear more about how I am the Christ? You want to know more about what the Christ was actually supposed to do? The word deliverer means more than one thing. If you say, well, I'm waiting to be delivered, you could be waiting to be delivered like a postal package to where you're supposed to go on a plane. That's not what we're talking about. When when you talk about a deliverer, the deliverer, when, when, when Old Testament scriptures talked about Jesus the Messiah, messianic claimant, that is what Jesus was. The Old Testament, how the disciples missed this so much, I'll, I'll never figure out. But it is so, there are so many prophecies about the suffering Savior. So many just in the book of Psalms alone. They still didn't, it didn't, it didn't jive with their comfort. Well, you know, deliverer means a lot of things, God. Maybe you should deliver us from this Roman occupation, and maybe we want to be able to um, get the, have these people out of here and, and practice Judaism without being persecuted. No, what it meant was he, deliver, he was going to deliver you from sin. He's going to deliver you from your issues. He's going to give you a way out. That's what Jesus came to do. That is what Easter is about. It's about the risen Savior who says, I came and sacrificed myself so that you can live. Not one day in heaven. Yeah, that's that's the icing on the cake, but that you can live in in this world and not fear. Because perfect love casts out, casts out fear and Jesus always commanded, don't be fearful. Hey, why are you guys afraid? Hey, what's wh- like peace be with you guys. I'm not I'm not here to be mad at you, Peter. We got to talk, by the way, but I'm not here to be mad at you. I'm here to I'm here to Show you not just the way, but I'm here to show you what I came to actually do. Because we knew about the first part. They knew he died. They all knew that. So that's the first part. You cannot walk, you cannot pray, you can't out relationship Jesus. So understand that. Walk with Jesus. Secondly, whatever struggle, unbelief, trial, invite him into it. Um, I remember talking to some guy who had cancer. Uh, a few years back, and, and I said, aren't you a little bit terrified? Because th- the specifics of the cancer were very, very difficult. It wasn't like a, like a long battle, easy cancer where you know, some people are like, yeah, I've been doing chemo for f- five years. I've heard people say this. I'm like, really? Like that long? Yeah, it's just sometimes it comes back, and it, it's a kind of cancer we can fight with this, and okay, well, that seems brutal too, but this was fast. And when I talked to him, he was supposed to be dead the next month. Still alive right now. This was five years ago. Um, and I said, well, how do, how, does it, how do you handle it when it comes to, you know, the, the fear part? Because there is a little bit of mystery in death, even though Jesus takes the sting out of death. There's a little bit of mystery in it. Like, how am I going to go? Is it going to be painful? Like, is it going to be like a long, brutal death or whatever it is? And he goes, I learned to invite him in, invite him into the cancer, invite him into all of it because he's in everything. He holds everything together. I was talking to somebody this morning about Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate scientist. Talk about nuclear, physics, elements. Jesus created these things. The periodic table, I think he laughs at because we probably figured out about 10% of what is out there. Because when I was in high school, there's a lot more elements now than there was then. Because the only way I got through chemistry was to memorize it. Because I had failed it. She goes, well, I'll give you C minus if you memorize the periodic table. I go, great. So that's what I did. That's how I got a C minus and... and, um, molecular chemistry, wherever that class was. How I made it through high school, I'll never figure out. But whatever struggle, whatever unbelief, whatever trial, whatever fear, whatever brutality you are going through, invite him into it. Not religious, not religion, not churchy stuff, not all the, all the things that people write on Hallmark cards. Invite him in. Jesus never called people to be re- religious. Do you notice that? If you read through, Jesus doesn't talk to people the way... Like when you watch something that's like satirizes Christian church people, Jesus never talked like that. Not one time. It was always strong, strong teaching. Did he, did he, did he ask people to make a decision? Yes. Did he ask people to follow him? Yes. Did he, did he give people the truth? Absolutely. Graciously, but he always gave them the truth. There's a, there's a group out there that, that makes it sound like Jesus never said anything harsh. Well, you got to reread the Bible then because there's lots of harsh, but there's also a ton of grace. There's a ton of mercy. Lastly, like verse 29, where they say, abide with us, stay with us. We have to invite him in. We have to invite him in often. What do you think Jesus was doing when he went off in the morning to uh, pray before the ministry started? He was inviting God's Holy Spirit into the day. Lead us. Jesus was limited. He was was in one place at one time while he did his earthly ministry. So I I want us to remember that, but to invite him into everything. Because that's where light is, in the darkest places. I want to close and pray, but I want to ask you, if you have never done that, if you've never invited him into any part, if you've invited him in thirty years ago and never since, um, he waits for that relationship. He waits for that walk. He waits for the the relationship. Let's pray, Father God. We, um, as we look at this account, God, it's humbling um, that human beings struggle as much as we do. It is um, baffling the patience you have with us, um, God. That we're the only creation that thumbs our nose at at the Creator that nothing else that's created objects this much to you. And yet you stay with us, you abide with us, you walk with us. God, for those who are uh, far away, for those who have never invited you in, God, those words abide with us, abide in us. That you simply ask us to come in, or you, you simply ask us to invite you in. That behold, you stand at the door and knock and that you will absolutely come in when invited in. God, I pray that for all of us, that we would be closer this week, that we would invite you into the pain, to the struggle, to the fear that we have in this time. Um, God, we thank you again for the amazing food that you've provided for us. Um, We ask you to bless it to our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen.